Welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the money podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Stephen Husky, owner of Husky Financial Consulting and Wealth Management. Our goal is to help leaders accumulate wealth and empower them to build the life they deserve. Each week, we interview a purpose-driven leader or medical professional that is building a thriving business with community impact. We ask tough questions, learn the habits they practice to build successful careers, and discover a secret they can pass on to help others build their businesses. It's time to talk money, meaning, and maximum impact. Hello and welcome to Portfolio Pulse, the go-to podcast for medical professionals and entrepreneurs hoping to learn more about achieving financial wellness, accumulating wealth, and building the life they deserve. We always have really bright guests with us. And in today's show, we're going to be talking to Dr. Felicia Fro. She is a, uh, a urologist by trade, but now she's the owner of Money with Mission and urology is more of her side hustle. Money with Mission is an investment company focused on empowering professional women to build wealth and achieve financial freedom through social impact investing. As a real estate syndicator, Felicia has partnered with like-minded investors and has raised money for several social impact projects, including a residential assisted living home in Kansas City, Missouri, focusing on providing elderly residents experiencing memory problems with personalized care. Thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Awesome. Thank you, Stephen. It's good to be here. I was really excited to learn about you and your business and what you were doing to help us in the medical profession with our money. I appreciate that. I think we've got a little different approach than just your regular money managers. It's all about education. It's all about giving the best that you can out to the world. And hopefully people would like to know more. So that's kind of my philosophy around that. I love it. Thank you so much. Well, um, I did give a, a brief you know, bio about yourself, but let's let's hear more about you, you know, how you got into um becoming an MD and how you chose urology and what's your background? I, you know, I I guess like what I feel like most physicians in my generation, we had our parents, our parents told us to go to school, get a job, that, you know, the straight down the road kind of um careers. Mm-hmm. And I it actually initially wanted to be a veterinarian like my dad. And my dad said, if you're going to go to school for that long, you're going to medical school. And that was, I was junior high, high schoolish when that happened. And I don't remember after that thinking about vet school again, I was like, dad said this, this is what you're doing. So it was a pretty straight course, you know, medical school and, you know, getting into medical school is a pretty prescribed thing. You do this. And then if you do well in that, then this happens. All that was pretty straight down the road. I did take a little sidetrack and thought maybe I want to do pharmacy. And no, not really. Went back into (laughs) undergrad, finished that degree, went to medical school, thought when I went into medical school, and I don't know how many other docs out there thought they were going to be doing something other than they are doing when they started medical school. I went in thinking, yeah, probably pediatrics, family practice, geriatrics, something like that. First scary thing in medical school after, you know, scared of getting in, you get in. And the next scary thing for me was I hated all of that, just hated it. Mm -hmm. So it was scary and then got scarier because I actually like surgery and then got real scary because I actually liked OBGYN. Fortunately, I thought about lifestyle of that. And then I did my urology rotation. I was like, okay, this is this is cool, a little different, but the same flavor. Mm-hmm. And the people in urology, the attendings that we had were all very happy. And everybody I met in urology seemed really happy with what they were doing, their life. There I am. I had a lot of people tell me, God, you're a woman. You're never going to make it. You're never going to be a urologist. That's that's a man's field. That's not going to happen. Really? And I need 
somebody to tell me I cannot do it or I shouldn't do it for me to do it. So I needed a few of those and I was on my path to being a urologist. And um, actually when I finally finished residency, which was a six year program, I was one of the first 100 urologists, female urologists in the United States. So that tells you a little bit about, you can look back and figure when that is and how old I am, but you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started practice like everybody else. You know, you go in and you're like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. And I don't have somebody above me working on, you know, to make sure I'm doing it right. It's all me. I'm responsible. Mm-hmm. Did all that, got through all that, went to several different practices. And the reason I did that is like about five years into urology, it was like, mm, I don't think this is the last thing I'm ever going to do. And it actually didn't come out of my, it was in my head, but it didn't feel like it came from me. It was more of a, whatever you believe. I had yeah. this thing say, this is not the last thing you're going to do. Wow. I didn't know what that meant. Again, pretty scary. Cause I just finished all this path to get to medical school, to get to residency, to get to my profession that I've chosen. And something's telling me I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. Fast forward, moved around quite a bit and actually did a real estate, my first real estate deal in Kansas City when I bought a building with some other female physicians that we were going to just practice together. Um, So that was my first foray into real estate investing, even though I didn't even think about it as investing at that time. Mm -hmm. And a woman as a part of that whole project gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad and so many real estate investors and so many people that are on this, that understand money better, read that book. And that was the one that really turned on a lot of lights for me, not just for real estate, but for assets and liabilities and how money moves and how the wealthy really think about money and that kind of thing. So those kinds of things really helped me get started. One of my patients actually backstopped me in my first purchase, a young woman. She was already doing real estate investing, went with me to the the first house I was looking at and she walked through it with me, said, if you don't buy it, I'm going to buy it. If you buy it, I'll help you rehab it. If you buy it, rehab it, get tenants in there aren't making money, I'll buy it from you. Wow. I'm like, okay. So you took away all the risk for me. So we did it. And that one went great. And we bought 18 houses in two years. So we started on a single family path, 18 houses, two years. And then 2008, 2009 came. We thought we knew what we needed to know to get this all done. We found out we did not. We were Mm -hmm. very poorly capitalized. So the thing I learned is we didn't have enough money to keep everything floating and lost it all. Lost it all in that whole thing. You hear all those people that lost a lot. We were among that group and just kind of that washed away. So it was, it's it's not as easy as it sounds like it was now. That was a, quite a painful time for us. But then when you really start looking at what happened and what's like, well, what really happened here? Was it really the market? Was it really real estate? That's the problem. And I came to the conclusion, no, it's not. It was not. It was me and not knowing everything I needed to know and doing what I needed to do. So when I decided I wanted to be in real estate again, I got mentors, I got smarter people than me, which is a hard thing sometimes for us doctors to think about is that there are smarter people than us in a lot of different things. So in real estate, in urology, well, you know, even in your own practice, there's people smarter than you, but you you know a lot, right? Mm -hmm. We know a lot, but I don't think we think about that when it comes to things outside of medicine and we we have our finances, we have our stuff and we just keep going until we realize, oh man, maybe I, I don't know as much about this as I want to, as I should. We always have a should in there and it has to get to what I, what you want. I think I lost track there, but anyway, 
defining mentors, finding people to help, finding people along to help get through things and understand things was the key to me really getting into the investing. And then along the road, I realized that just straight buying apartment buildings and that kind of stuff wasn't fulfilling to me. And that's when the social impact um, things came into mind and then started being realizing that I could do that and make money and have friends and other physicians come along and, and participate in that without having to go through all the things that as a syndicator and that we go through to be able to find a project. So that's wow. the longest short story of how that happened. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, you got into urology because you basically had a chip on your shoulder and someone told you that you couldn't do it. And I feel like that's one of the best motivators, you know, someone saying that you can't do something. It's not about proving just them wrong. It's about proving it to yourself that you can do it. And, you know, fast forward, you, you purchased quite a few properties. You went in with some folks who were also interested in doing that. And I find it's interesting that physicians and a lot of small business owners like to to broaden their reach in their investment portfolio. I mean, those were good investments, a lot of income producing investments for you. But, you know, whenever the, the recession came, you you went introspective. You know, you didn't blame other factors or other risks that were out there. You basically said this was on me because I wasn't largely capitalized. I was floating these properties with other pieces of income. which can often get us into trouble if things don't work out the way that we expect. And if we know anything about life, the the greatest indicator of success or failure is uh, whether or not you were adjusting well enough for those risks, you know? So, and and now it looks like you are back on track. You know, I think you learned from that. You you realize you didn't know everything. You had some mentors show, you know, what you should be doing and how to, you know, make sure the next project you're going to be taking on actually makes sense for, for your wallet and for the capital that you have. So, yeah. I think in that yeah. five minutes, we learned a lot about, you know, how <laughs> business owners and physicians can can broaden their reach and how they can do it in a smart manner without actually overextending themselves. Uh, yes, yes. It there. Well, we'll get to some stuff at the end, but um, the, the biggest thing is actually knowing that you can't know everything and you have to have other people out there to help you even see past your blind spots. Because, you know, we all know there's things that we 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 know what we know. And mm-hmm. we don't know what we don't know. And there's somebody out there who knows something that you don't know that's about to bite you if you don't pay attention to it. So it's the, all, the whole thing is just very important. And like we were talking about, a lot of people, um, a lot of physicians, high income earners, we're running, we're running this wheel, really trying to keep things going. Many love what they're doing and may feel trapped. It's like, I love this, but I'm trapped and to me, having other streams of income, knowing you don't have to do this is a big space opener. It says, oh, I don't have to do this. I'm doing this because I because I want to do this makes it feel a lot better. So that's 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 how I feel about things. Like, I don't have to do this. I have a choice. I can stop and I'm not going to hurt my family, hurt my lifestyle, hurt the things that I want in life. So mm-hmm. I can I can keep doing this or I can not. And it makes it more fun to do that one thing that you really do enjoy. That's a great point. Let me ask you this, like, why do you think that so many physicians like to go towards the real estate route of investing outside of the the high earning potential that, you know, they get either as a W-2 or a 1099? I'm going to ask to make sure I understand the question. Why did physicians choose real estate over other forms of investing or as opposed to, okay. Um, So I think there's two things. The first one is a lot of physicians that I know that start into real estate, start with single family houses, and Mm -hmm. they think about 
running the whole thing themselves. And I think that's a control issue. Mm-hmm. I think we we feel like we have to be in control and understand it all. 100% need to understand it all, but need to be the one managing. So that's one thing. The other one is if you start going into passive, you may start you start seeing some of the tax advantages that may be there. Um, particularly in some of the investments that you can do that can offset your W-2 taxes. So that's, and I know a lot of physicians don't know that, but that's Mm -hmm. that's something that you do learn once you even decide, like, I think I'm going to buy another house and have somebody paying for that one for me. You get that. That's pretty straightforward. But then you start to see the tax benefits that come from that one, those are those are a little more challenging to get the big tax benefits from, but there are some real estate investments that you can get some really great tax benefits. And as we know, many don't think about taxes are our biggest expense in our lifetime. And we say we make whatever salary we make, and then you really look at your check stub every month and you see how much you really are living on. And that's the that's that's taxes. I agree. I think um, any any W two employee can really, um, I guess, lessen their dependence on their corporate job or you know wherever it is they're working by having other streams of income coming in, so that maybe they can phase that W two out over time. Some of some of them, you know, do locums or or they do uh, moonlighting in different places, and that's kind of another area where they can you know basically choose their own schedule. A lot of them go into passive income opportunities. Some of them go into general or limited partnerships. Some go into real estate. Some of those real estate partnerships are general or limited partnerships. So I think that might be something of of what you may be doing. And for those physicians who have a stay-at-home spouse, uh, there's a a tax benefit called uh, real estate professional status. And I don't know if you know about this, but basically if the the non-working spouse is spending 750 hours per year, on you know managing those properties and taking care of everything within the business on that side of things, there's a really big tax you know break for those folks. Hundred percent. And what I've learned, and definitely I'm not a tax professional, um, is that it do, you don't even have to be managing the properties; you could be managing the managers. So that mm-hmm. gets you that that step away from the thing. But it is the number of hours it has to be all kept track of and that kind of thing. Um, but well worth it because it can offset the high income earners W2. So it it's a we took advantage of that, my husband and I at one point, and it was it was amazing. It was mm-hmm. just amazing. I think you believe I think you just have to show some real estate losses and you can use that to offset a lot of the gains in income. So that's really cool. That's exactly and people hear losses and they think, well I thought real estate was supposed to make me money. Real estate losses are actually not real losses. There's depreciation, mm-hmm. which is phantom income that mm-hmm. actually is what helps you have more money because it writes off on your taxes. So you don't lose your income from your tenants paying you. You don't lose that. You just have more income that's not actual money in your pocket up front, but mm-hmm. the depreciation of your property. Your own house, you cannot depreciate. Something you right. own outside of you that you're not living in, you can depreciate. And that's that's huge. It is huge. And now, you know, on the other side of that, you know, I got to look at, at the both sides of the coin here. Whenever you depreciate an asset, whenever you sell that asset, you pay 25% recaption, recapture of depreciation taxes on that. And so you're kicking the can down the road, but it's certainly helping you right now when you got a lot of income that you need to offset. It's a great, it's a great plan. And then there's, we're going to make it real complicated because there's always <laughs> ways to kick the kick taxes down, far, down the road a little bit further with 1031 oh, yeah. exchanges and all these kinds of things. So there's, 
and just everybody, this stuff is not um, against the law. Let's put it no, that way. This is written not. into the tax code of mm -hmm. ways to be beneficial to the world and to yourself. So that's the thing. There's things that you can invest in that the government wants you to invest in that helps the country, the things the government can't do. And you get a tax break for that. That's your Absolutely. payment for doing that. So we're not talking about stuff that's outside the lines at all. This is no. well within the lines of what you can do. Yeah. And I know that a lot of folks are kind of um, honing in on like the opportunity zones and things like that, because you can roll capital gains from sales of businesses and real estate properties into that. And a lot of times there's some really good capital gains deferment or even, you know, getting rid of those capital gains yeah. uh, from the initial transaction. But, you know, again, I got to disclaim it here. Like we're not tax professionals. We're just, <laughs> we're just two people talking here. No recommendations have been set out, but I, I really, I really like that you have that knowledge and you're able to share that with people. Does money with mission have some type of coaching aspect to the type of real estate investing that you're doing for other physicians? We do. And I want to say about the, us not being tax professionals, mm -hmm. we're not, but you should have one that could tell you this stuff. 100%. So if you have a tax professional that you give your stuff to and all they do is your taxes at the end of the year or April 15th or whatever, you that's not what you that's not serving you. So right. put that in there. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> what I learned with money with mission it, with becoming what I am now and what I love doing now is that it takes a lot of time. I have to you have to network a lot. I travel mm -hmm. a lot, which I love doing and have a lot of meetings and go to a lot of conferences and meet a lot of people and get and get to know them over time and built those relationships and learn how to vet projects, vet people. You vet people when you screw up a few times and you got bad partners and that deal fell apart. You figure out what you got to do to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I, our Money with Missions mission is to help physicians, high income earners, connect with projects that are impactful to them we vet them, we vet the sponsor, we vet the project, and we help you connect. So that's our Wealth Builders Club. Right now it's for women, professional women. If you know you're ready to invest off Wall Street, some of your stuff, and I'm not, we're not, I'm not a, everything has to be off Wall Street. I've got some stuff there too. Oh, for sure. Um, but to be truly diversified, some stuff should be off Wall Street. I totally agree. You know, you can lower the I'm getting into my semantics here, but you can lower the standard deviation of your entire portfolio by putting uh, non-correlated assets together, you can raise your, you know, you can raise the gross interest that you earn from all of these different assets in your portfolio, but reduce the amount of, you know, the pendulum swing as you, as you can put it in your portfolio. So highly, highly, uh, highly great stuff there is just making sure you're diversified. Well, not just stocks, not just bonds, not just cash, real estate's great. Businesses are great. Other sources of income are great. I, I think that you're speaking the truth. Yeah. And the thing, and the big thing about all the stuff Stevens just said, which I didn't believe, I didn't understand everything, but I'll ask you about it later. Is that um, you have to have somebody help you. This is not, all this stuff is not innate in us. And I learned the hard way. And I want you not to have to learn the hard way that if you have a good accountant, good wealth manager, really a wealth manager, not a tax planner, wealth manager out there, I call them. It's like, this is what I want to do. How can I, how's, what's the best way to make this happen? And they help me and I don't get tax hits. I don't have all these problems that I've had in the past because I didn't ask. So those are just, you got to have your team of people that you know and trust and know what's going on with you and know what you're trying to do, know what you're working toward so they can help when you get, you see your shiny object, they go, that's not really what you told me you wanted to do at the beginning of the year. Is that 
changing, or they can say, yep, this is how you should do that. And this is how you can do it the most efficient way financially. So those, I, I can't say enough how important it is to have a good wealth manager, somebody to help you stay on track, somebody you can be accountable that can help you stay accountable for what you say you want to do. So that's mm -hmm. just, it's just really important. I can't overstate that. I'll, I'll add one more to that. I mean, I think having a really good comprehensive financial planner helps too, because wealth managers, they really just focus on the investments. They may know some other areas of your portfolio, but if you, they know your cash flow situation, they know your tax situation, they know your protection situation, and they know your liabilities situation. They can really make sure that you're maximizing the ability to grow those assets and how they eventually, whenever you hang up the stethoscope one day, how that's going to translate into income. That's that's what you're really looking for is to build the life you want and maybe get out of the workforce sooner, but make sure that you've got enough money to be able to do that. I think you just said something that was not the way I thought is that a wealth manager and a wealth planner are two different things. I didn't think mm -hmm. about that. So that's, mm -hmm. that's important. And I was saying wealth manager, meaning wealth planner. So good. Good. There you go. <laughs> it's like this, these terms aren't ubiquitous. Like it is pretty tough to like, but when I tell people I'm a financial advisor, the first thing I do is roll their eyes and say, all right, well, I'm going to go talk to somebody else at the party. So I have to come up with something else that's interesting so they can ask some questions about what I do. Cause I do something totally different than a lot of your Raymond James or your Morgan Stanley yeah. guys. But um, what is your relationship with money, Felicia? Like what do you see money as and how is it useful for you? And what's your end, you know, what's your end goal with trying to accumulate wealth? My relationship with money changes on a regular basis. It might be minute with minute. I love it. I always love it. And money is not a thing, even though you hold it in your hand, but it's not just holding it in my hand or having sitting in the bank and looking at the numbers on the, you know, when I look, go into my account, those are it makes you feel good, but you mm -hmm. realize when you really get your mind right around money, that that money is not doing anything. I just wrote a, wrote a um, newsletter talking about money being on vacation. If your money's sitting in a vault in a bank somewhere, it's on vacation for you. And that's not what money's supposed to do. Money's supposed to work for you. Right. Just to make you a little more, to make you irritated, money sitting in the bank is not, is on vacation for you and it's working for the bank. It is. Think about that. So you always want your money doing something. Money sitting does nothing. It needs to flow. That's the words cash flow. Money needs to flow. And hopefully money more is coming towards you. You have to put some out there to go to work. You have to put it out there to work for you. Most of it should come back. There's always risk in every single thing, just like dry, everything has a risk. But you really evaluate those things. You evaluate where you're putting your money. You have your people help you know where to put it. And you have your risk is lessened, just like when you're going into a surgery and you've got the vascular person there on standby because you know this is going to be a real hairy thing over near the iliac veins. So that's going to get real bad and I could get into that. Or if you got, you know, whatever, whatever surgery you're doing and you know that this thing could be bad and you have those people on standby, you want that in your financial life too. Great point. You know, you, you put those people in the room because of their specialty and what they know. So don't be afraid to have folks on retainer who will make you a better investor. You know, go ahead and, and pay up front for your CPA. Make sure that they are a good CPA. And there is even um, industry-specific accountants and CPAs out there that can that really knows your industry and can give you the best advice. Um, you know, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call some call your professional or email them. You know, if you have the the fee plan agreement, you're not being charged per every email. It's like you can go and you can call them if you got questions. You can bounce ideas off of them, and you need those type of mentors. Everyone everyone has advisors. Everyone has coaches. 
you don't think Tiger Woods does everything himself. He's got coaches who look at all his blind spots and they, they tell yeah. him different things that he could be doing different, you know, different, um, minute changes he can make to, to have a better swing, you know? So that's the yeah. type of stuff that we're, that we're talking about here. And I, I love golf. I always go back to golf, um, analogies. So <laughs> thanks for, th- thanks for sharing that. Yeah, no, I like, I just did a Henry Ford quote about he was in a courtroom and they were really beating him down about how he wasn't very smart. And he said, I'm, and this is not exactly the quote, but I don't have to be smart. I can call anybody to answer any of these questions that you're asking me. I've got a Rolodex, not the mm-hmm. words you use, to make this call and that to get the answer to this question. And that's what you want in your life. You don't have to know, or you need to know what you need to know about your day to day and for your money management, for all those other things in your life, you, you're going to call a plumber for the plumbing in your house. You've got them on your Rolodex, get your financial stuff and think your financial things along the same lines as the way you take care of your house. You don't do all those little things on your own. You have people to help you. Same thing with your money. Great point. What is it that you'd like our listeners, Felicia, to know about you, Money with Mission, any other businesses that you own and and anything upcoming that you'd like to promote? Thanks, Stephen. So the Money with Mission is here to help you build that team and connect with good investments. We're off, off Wall Street majority. We do have some on Wall Street type things that are some private investments that are actually on Wall Street, which is kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's hard. It's, it's kind of scary. It's like, is this really a good accountant? Believe me, I've had them that were not good. And I didn't find out till after I got my return back. And I'm like, okay, this isn't right. And there's there's a bookkeepers and there's all, there's people out there that are, that will take your money and not do what you need for them to do. Mm-hmm. And so we have, we've met a lot of people. We can connect you to that. We again, connect you to deals. So that's our community that we're building and would love to have people come on. So if you go to moneywithmission.com under opportunities and it's called wealth builders and click there, you fill out an application and we have a conversation and see if it's a fit for you. That's great. And make it seem so simple, you know, and, and is it like a, um, like an annual fee to participate or how, how does that work? Yeah, it is annual. And as long as you're, we, what we do is we connect you with the investor and investment. If you invest in that, we follow, help you through all that paperwork because things get real hairy. Once you decide you want to do it, you start getting these books of risks that are, makes you want to say, oh, forget it. I'll just can my money off in the suitcase to the guy that's handling it at Fidelity and let them take care of it. Um, Walk you through that and then walk you through the connections throughout your hold period for your investment to make sure you understand everything that's going on. And then when it's your exit, make sure you get your money back, make sure you know what's happening, make sure you know, okay, you've talked to your wealth advisor, your wealth planner to know what you should do next with that money. Cause it's coming back. And now you have another problem. It's like, Oh, I got all this money. Now what am I going to do? So that's the way we look at that. Um, we, if we have our conversation and you decide you want to do, we go into all the fees and all that kind of stuff. And I think it's, I I love it. And I love Mm. connecting people. I love building the relationships. That's my, my secret sauce. You know, it's like, I just, that's the thing I love to do. So we've done it over the past 15 years. So we've got a big Rolodex or what do you call it now? It's not real. Is it still called a Rolodex? We call it our Blackberry because that's not even around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> just your just your contact list. I guess it's all my online. List is like, yeah, it's your, <laughs> my contact list. It's big. I know a lot of people. So yes, I would love to connect with anybody who's interested. It doesn't have to be, be physicians. We are just working with 
women in our group at this point, guys, you're, you'll come along, but right now women and um, let's have some fun. Money's not money. Should it money should be fun. And I think we don't make it fun. We make it very tense and very stressful. And it's just because we don't understand it. And I had a conversation with a bookkeeper who's like talked about romanticizing your money. Go out with it for a glass of wine with your money. Go with your checkbook. Go with your just go and have a good time. Get to know it. Have fun with it. Play with it. Smile when you open your bank account, even if it's not what you want it to look like. So look at your husband or your wife. You're like, yeah, not exactly what I want. But you smile at him every time, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd love to see someone sitting at a nice restaurant with a few stacks of hundreds on the other side of the table, cl- clinking wine glasses with them. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun. We, had, yeah. we should open a special restaurant just for that. Just like a little... <laughs> Money Feel mood. safe. Come in with your money. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. What is um, well, my last question for you is like, what, what's your purpose, Felicia, and lasting legacy that you'd like to leave either in your community or to your physician industry? Yes. Um, thanks for that. I, you know, hmm, interesting. So I want more women to have options in their life, you know, to not just feel like they're stuck in whatever they are, whether it's a job a relationship, a whatever. It, it's it's to not feel stuck. I know I have options. It's it's that's that it's really actually that simple. I had my mom was in a relationship that could have killed her and she had to stay there for financial reasons. She felt she had to stay there for financial reasons. We all can make different choices, but she felt financially she had to stay there. So now my goal is that we we don't have that. We have we have options. If you choose to do something different than what you're doing with what you have, you can do that. So that that's the big thing for me. And then all the ripples from that, I just, I just see so many ripples when people realize they have choices and can make different decisions. It just opens up the world for everybody. So you're bringing them an outlet to where they can figure out which options maybe make the most sense for them. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. I'm sure our listeners learned a ton from you. If you want to get in touch with Dr. Felicia Fro, please go to moneywithmission.com. And uh, we look forward to seeing all the great things you're going to be doing out there. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for joining us today on Portfolio Pulse. If you found this helpful and think others deserve to hear about us as well, please like, subscribe, and share us across any platform on social media or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for today. Remember to be happy, stay healthy, and tune in next time to remain financially fit. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PASS, Guardian, or Husky Financial Group, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Michael Husky is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Pass. OSJ 6115 Park South Drive, Suite 200, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28210. 704-552-8507. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through Pass, member FINRA, SIPC. 
financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Husky Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Pass or Guardian. Husky Financial Group LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. 2023-154-170 expires 4225.